How many of you have ever heard that phrase before, the truth will set you free? Have you ever heard that before? Sure. We've probably heard that many times. Most of us heard those words somewhere on TV and movies. Celebrities have quoted them. You saw Oprah quoted them. Former President Barack Obama quoted those words. In fact, several politicians quote those words. Do you know those words were actually something that Jesus said? It's just kind of interesting. I bet we have people in our culture that quote those words and probably don't even know that it came from Jesus. Take a look at John 8, 32. Jesus says, then, read it with me, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Come on, you got to give it like, you know, set you free, right? Like that guy did. Let's read it again. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you Yeah, there you go. You know, what's interesting about this verse, though, is we quote this verse. Many people quote this verse, but they forget one word. You know what the word is? Then. Then. You know what that means? It's an if-then clause is what it's called. If this, then this. See, Jesus gave us an if-then clause. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. Um, a little bit later, we're going to talk about that, how that if something happens, if you do this, then something will result from that. Jesus gave us that. So we'll circle back to that in just a minute, all right? So this series that we've uh, started several weeks ago, Who We're Becoming, is uh, really generated off of, comes off of when we started on this focus journey to change who we are as a church. Um, since 2014, we've been intentionally changing and growing and adapting who we are. Our goal is to change the DNA of who we are as a church, not just the outside, but the inside, how we do things, why we do things. Um, we're becoming something different uh, as a church. We're wanting to become something new as a church, kind of new, because really what we're wanting to do, what we've realized that we're wanting to do is to return to the original prototype that we can find in the New Testament. It's, it's the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. And so let's take a look at Acts chapter 1. It tells us that during the 40 days that Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. How many of you would love to have been alive and at, at that time, just in those 40 days, to see how Jesus was proving that he was alive? I wonder what he did. It, it's an amazing scripture. It says that he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And then at the end of that period, Jesus ascended back into heaven, is what scripture tells us, as the followers watched him do this, and then they decided to return to Jerusalem. And so we pick up the story in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken. Some researchers say up to 17 different languages were being spoken, languages that these Jews uh, should not have known. Um, it was not native to them. And in verse 14, we see that Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. With the help of Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. 
But God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said, what should we do? And Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. If you've got your outline there, I want you to circle the word church. Say it with me. Church says that they were added to the church that day. Church is not an event. Church is not a place. The New Testament word church, uh, ecclesia, is always referring to a group of people who gather together because of what they believe in, because of their trust, in this case, their trust in Jesus Christ. So I want you to understand that God's purpose is not merely to save individuals, He's concerned about individuals. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about me. But that's not just his purpose. His purpose is to gather those people that he saves into a group. And that group is called the church. His desire is to redeem and change the world through his church. The bride of Christ is what the scripture says. Jesus is the head, the leader of the church. And so because we're concerned about God's plan for the church, because we want to become the kind of church that God wants us to be, we're interested in in how the church um, started, the intention of God in the church. And so we take a fresh look at day one of the church. This is literally day one, ground zero of the church beginning. Take a look. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship, those who were being saved. So I want you to see, this is talking about a regular thing. In this case, it was a daily thing. It was not a temporary thing, not intermittently, not sporadically. This was an ongoing way of life. They followed every day, week in, week out, learning, connecting, sharing, praying together. Those are the things we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. What's interesting is in verse 42, it talks about activities, and all of those activities are in the corporate sense. They were done together as a group. They are not an individual thing, even though, for instance, you can pray individually. This is talking about praying together with a group of followers of Jesus. And so let's talk about one of these today as we kind of unpack this verse, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I, I want you to, to look at this phrase and, and catch this, this interesting phrase, this word teaching. Would you circle that word teaching on your outline? Teaching, it's, it comes from a Greek word, uh, didache, which is really specifying an accurate or correct or proper kind of teaching, a doctrinal kind of teaching. It's a very specific word. 
What was happening in, in the church in this early time is, was, was thoroughly rooted in the scriptures. It's kind of like what we read in Luke chapter 24. You may know this story, but to give you a little context of Luke 24, Jesus had just risen from the dead. And he was on in those 40 days that we talked about earlier of showing people that he was still alive. And two of Jesus' followers decided to leave Jerusalem and to travel to another town, the town of Emmaus, which was about seven miles away. And so as they were walking, they were talking and they were discussing what had just taken place in Jerusalem, what had just taken place to Jesus and how he had been crucified and put in a tomb. And they were saying that he's gone, he's dead. And while they were talking, Luke 24, 15, while they were talking, Jesus himself came near and began walking with them. Again, isn't it one of those situations you'd love to be there? Can you imagine just walking with a friend and all of a sudden Jesus just steps right into your conversation? Okay. And, and they began walking together, but they didn't recognize who he was. And Jesus said to them, what are you talking about? And they said, what, do you live like in a cave or something? I mean, they didn't really say that, but that's kind of the indication that they're giving. They said, it's about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet who said and did many powerful things before God and the people. Our leaders and leading priests handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. It's now the third day since this has happened, and today, some of our women among us went to the tomb, but they didn't find his body there. They told us that they had seen angels who said that Jesus was alive, so some of our group went to the tomb too. They found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Wait, don't miss this. Who are they walking with? Jesus, the resurrected Alive, breathing Jesus. And they're telling him that nobody has seen him. There's irony here, isn't there? So Jesus says to them, the prophets said that Christ must suffer these things before he enters glory. Basically, he's saying, this is God's plan. This has been said for a long time, that this would happen. It says, then... Starting with what Moses and all the prophets had said about him, Jesus began to explain everything that had been written about himself in the scriptures. Can you imagine having a seven-mile journey walking with Jesus as Jesus is explaining how the scriptures, all of the Jewish scriptures up to that point, point to him? And they still don't even know that it's Jesus. Now, I didn't give you the whole story, but the way it ends is they come to the town, and he's about ready to, to move on, to go past them. And they say, no, why don't you stay with the night? And so he says, okay. And, and so they go to have a meal, and it says in Luke 24 that when he breaks the bread, they realize, wait, you're him. You're Jesus. Can you imagine being that close and walking and hearing him take the scripture and explain the Jewish scripture in such a way to show us that the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the Jewish scripture, points to Jesus to show us that this was God's plan, God's intent, God's purpose all along. That there is objective basis for a subjective experience. That's huge. 
Verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The church experienced the teaching of Scripture, the teaching of Scripture by, by qualified leaders that God was using to explain it to them. So let me ask you a question. What do you think the apostles were teaching? I just want you to think about that for a moment because when it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that was the first question that popped into my mind. Well, what exactly are they teaching them? If they're devoting themselves to that, if we as a church should devote ourselves to that, what is exactly that they were teaching? Well, we can assume that based on Acts 2, we've already read Peter's sermon, we can assume that a lot of it contained a lot of what Peter shared. The story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus. It was all pointing to Jesus. In fact, in Luke 24 with these two guys, Jesus was showing how that all of the scripture up to that point was pointing to who? Him, Jesus. So how many of you would agree that the apostles' teaching probably had something to do with Jesus, right? I'm pretty sure of that. We can, we can assume that, but we don't know for sure, but we can assume that. So, so the subject of the New Testament preaching and teaching is Jesus. Who is Jesus? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus teach? How, how the plan and the purpose and the promise of God was fulfilled through Jesus. The Apostle Paul talks a lot about that. It was, it was God-centered, Jesus-infused, Spirit-empowered teaching. It says Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. But something we need to realize in the Old Testament text, and we don't catch it in our English language, the Greek language kind of does a spin on this. When we see this passage, we look at the word teaching, and that's the word that catches us the most. Because the way the English language positions it. But in the original text, in the Greek language, the, the, the push, the emphasis was on the word devoted. So circle that word on your outline. Devoted. Now, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this word devoted. So I'm just going to give you just a little quick review of what devoted means. And to give you a really good idea, I want you to think about what Dee and I have been experiencing at Shannon and Abe, Shannon, my daughter's house, just this week. Show a picture, would you? That's what we've been experiencing is this little guy, not so little in that left picture, right? He was born 8, 9. He dropped to about 7, 13. You know, they changed body weight. But now he's already over 9 pounds again. So the, the, he's, a, he's a big baby. Go ahead and show the next one. That's when I was holding him. So I'm like, those are like on my phone, right? <laughs> um, he was actually talking to me. I mean, he had his eyes closed there, but you can see Didi, the, the little kid, Elijah, he is like so aware at two weeks old. That's two weeks right there. He is so aware of what's going on and um, very, to be honest, more aware. I'm a proud grandpa. I realize that. But, but more aware than I've seen any of our kids be at that age. It's, it's really amazing. And uh, sorry, guys. Um, you just go out the window when the babies come in, right? Um, so... But anyway, um, you know, to be devoted, if you kind of get this in your head, our daughter Shannon and her husband Abe are learning what it is to be devoted to a baby. <laughs> First parents, right? First time parents, um, man, they are learning what this means. He is captivating their every waking moment. After about a week, 
Um, Shannon had a rough week. You guys know, I know you prayed for her last week, and we appreciate that. But she, she, had, um, she gave birth and had a bladder infection and passed a kidney stone all in seven days. Okay, so pray for Shannon. She's had a really rough time. And um, anyway, the, about uh, second week into it, she came into the kitchen and she said to my wife, does this get any easier? Can we get him on a schedule? Moms, you would appreciate that, right? It's like two-week-old babies. They don't know a schedule. It's just when they're hungry or when their diaper is dirty. That's it, right? I mean, you know, feed me, change me. Feed me, change me. And um, anyway, they're learning what it means to be devoted, to be devoted to something different and new. This word devoted is a very strong word in the original Greek language, um, proskaterio, which means to lean hard into. So I want to I have you do something with me. Would you lean, if you sit next to somebody, just lean hard into them, all right? That, that's, that's what we're talking about. It's this leaning hard into something, um, to be actively engaged in something, to, to do something with intense effort, to give constant attention to, to adhere closely to. In other words, and this is really, I'm going to bring it into our culture and our thinking and language and paradigm. The original text carries the idea of active learners, not passive listeners. So when it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were leaning into this. They were soaking up everything that was being taught to them. They were active learners. Everybody know what I'm talking about on that? Okay. They weren't spectators. They weren't just listening. They were learning. They were devoted to learning, to this exposure of teaching. There was a thirst for more of Jesus and more of this newfound life. They were anxious to be taught. Um, they were eager to learn. They were teachable. If you ever experienced someone who is teachable, it's an amazing thing. They wanted to learn more. Um, so, the, so the question that I came up with is, why should I be devoted to this? I mean, why is it so important to learn what Jesus said? Because we're talking about the apostles teaching really what Jesus taught. So why is it so important that I would learn what Jesus said. And there are all kinds of answers to that question. I could take you in so many different directions. But I want to give you just one answer to that question. And I want to circle back to the thought that I shared in the very beginning. Remember that phrase that, that, that phrase is pretty um, common in our culture, that John 8:32 verse that Jesus said, then you will, what? Know the truth. And the truth will set you free, right? Remember that? We talked about that. So based on what Jesus says, if, if, um, if we take this if-then clause, we have to back up a verse and read it in context to get the whole passage. So take a look at what John 8, 31 says. Jesus said to those, this is an interesting part, and I don't even have time to unpack this, but Jesus said to those who believed in him, so he's speaking to followers. So if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, he's speaking to you today in what he's going to say right, right here. Ready? Jesus says, if you obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me read that again. If 
you obey my teaching, you are truly my followers, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here's my questions. Does everyone have access to the truth? No. It's not what Jesus said. We have access to truth if we're doing what Jesus says. You catch that? If you obey my teachings, you are my follower. If you do this, then you have access to the truth. It's interesting to me that that verse is so misquoted out of context all the time. Oh, you can know the truth and it'll set you free. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you obey what he says and follow him, then you can know the truth and be set free. So does the truth set anyone and everyone free? No. It can. There's a possibility of it if what? If we obey what Jesus says and follow him. Everybody follow me on this? There, this if-then clause is what Jesus said. It's really important. So what are the prerequisites to know the truth and be set free? I've got to obey what Jesus says, and I have to follow him. Wow. So I don't know what you're looking for in your life. I know what my friend Gage was looking at, looking for in the plane I shared earlier, in the plane next to me, flying home from Atlanta. I know what he's looking for. He's looking for freedom, to be set free from an addiction, going into rehab, going into halfway house. He, he needs that. Maybe you're looking for some kind of freedom. Maybe you're looking for some kind of answer or truth. Maybe, maybe you need the truth about a certain situation or circumstance that you're, that you're facing. Maybe you need to make a decision and you just don't know what is the right decision to make. Can I tell you something? You can have access to that if you do what Jesus says. Mm. It's important. Jesus clearly gives us the prerequisites. If you obey my teaching, look at that. If you obey my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Wow. So Jesus says, I can be free. Just help me unpack this, okay, because I'm, I'm kind of piecing this together in my life too. Jesus says, I can be free by knowing the truth, but I can only know the truth by obeying Jesus' teachings. Everybody follow that? Wow. So you start putting these dots together, and then all of a sudden it makes sense. So let me ask you a question again. How important is it for you to know what Jesus said? How important is it for us to know the teachings of Jesus? I would say very important, because I don't know about you, but I want truth, and I want freedom in my life. How about you? And so it, it's extremely important that I would know Jesus' teaching, because that's the only way <laughs> that I'm going to experience those things. And this is what I want you to get down, because this is key. I have to know what Jesus says to do what Jesus says. Right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to obey Jesus. Okay, obey him how? Well, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to obey him. 
It doesn't work that way. You have to know what he says. You have to know what he says about that circumstance in your life in that moment. And that's where it's important to be taught the teachings of Jesus, to hear, to learn the teachings of Jesus. Without a doubt, I believe the best place to learn what Jesus said is gathering with other followers who are leaning in on learning together what Jesus said. It's one of the best ways. In an environment like we have right here today, worship together, in an environment we have in small groups, which we're going to be talking about a little bit more throughout this year, where we have an opportunity to get with other followers. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but I have found that the Bible is like a diamond. It's, it's so strange to me that I'm looking at one side and one facet of the diamond, and I, and I can see, I can understand a scripture or a story in the Bible in one particular paradigm, one particular way, and you know, Joe comes into the picture in my group and he says, Bart, have you ever thought about it this way? And you know what he does? He turns the diamond and all of a sudden I see the truth or the story in the Bible a different way. And it applies to my life in a different way. I have found that in a group setting with other followers, there's something about learning the word of God, the teachings of Jesus together that allows for that... Um, um, I don't know, just multi-paradigm kind of learning experience. Because sometimes God can speak to you through a verse differently than he can speak to me. Have you ever experienced that before? I mean, and I'll tell you how it works here in this room. Almost every Sunday when I share, when I teach, and we step away and I go out, be out to the patio, somebody will come to me, never fail, somebody will come to me and say, thank you, Bart, for sharing today. I'm like, that's great. And I'm, I don't really look for the kudos. I want to know what it really said to you. So I'll ask you the question, well, why do you feel that way? Or what did it say to you? Or why is that important to you? I'll, I'll do a follow-up. And they will share with me something that spoke to them <laughs> that I never said up here. But it was something that God took from his word and spoke into their life. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works. There's something about the group environment that we need. And so I have to know what Jesus says to do what Jesus says. Say that with me. I have to know what Jesus says to do what Jesus says. Here at Pathway Church, we are becoming a place where learning Together, what Jesus says is a priority. More and more, we're, we're pushing this forward. We believe we need to know what Jesus said, what Jesus taught, so that it can change our life and affect us. That's why I encourage you. I thank you for being here today, but I encourage you to, encourage you to be here weekly because we grow together weekly. God changes us on a regular basis. And, um, you know, as I've already shared, I feel like I mentioned to Didi before I left yesterday, I said, you know, we, we um, were away, everyone was away during that two-week break at Christmas time that we have here at Pathway Church. And then we were home for like two weeks, and then we, Didi and I were gone again. And, and I feel like I've lost the whole month of January. You know, we're already into February. And I felt so disconnected and discombobulated. And it's so nice to come home to us here at Pathway. There's something about that. 
And there's this regular weekly um, exposure experience together that can change our life. So gathering together to learn what Jesus says is what we're all about. Would you bow your heads with me?